We're going to get started. Let's do this thing. Who's pumped for the panel tonight? Yes. Yes. I am too. I'm super pumped. My name is Rachel. If I have not yet met you, I'm on staff here with Salt St. Paul. And I am so excited for the panel tonight. I'm also really excited about our panelists, you know. Um, we have a little hint who might be here tonight. Terry. Hey. Um, but yeah, just want to like lay all of the cards out. You guys can know exactly what you're getting into tonight for the panel. Here's where we're going. Drinking, partying, sex, relationships, dating, the tension builds. Ooh, scary, right? No, we're super excited to cover those things from a Christian perspective, and all of our panelists are going to be drawing on truth from the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's word revealed to us, and so that's where we're going. We're looking at the Bible. We're seeing what does God have to say about these things. And here's what we believe about Christians when it comes to following God's commands. Here's what we see in the Bible. God created everything, everything in existence, including you and I. God designed us. He knows every little bit of us, and he knows how we were made to operate best. And what we see is the very first humans— Adam and Eve, decided that they thought that they knew how they could operate better than God thought that they could operate. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, and then what we see is actually all throughout history in the Bible is people thinking that they can operate in a way that they think is best rather than what God has told them how to operate. They say they're doing the things that God told them not to do. They're not doing the things that God told them to do. And what we see is chaos and destruction. And yet what we see all throughout the Bible is that God continues to pursue his people. And the climax of the story is actually Jesus, the man who did all of the things that he was supposed to do and didn't do any of the things that he wasn't supposed to do. He perfectly followed these commands of God. And then he died in the place of those of us who couldn't follow the commands of God. You and I, everybody in this room, everybody in human history. And then he resurrected. And then all throughout his ministry, his entire life, he continued to invite us to follow God's law, follow his commands. And yet he also died in our place, saying there's grace. You actually won't be able to do this perfectly. I'm still calling you to do it but you won't be able to do it perfectly. And so I'm offering you a way to relationship with God. And so tonight, the panel is going to be full of biblical wisdom, the do's and don'ts. But it's not do this, don't do this, so that you can be saved and loved by God. Don't hear us say that tonight. Guys, the Christian life is seeing the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his power in his resurrections, the thing we talked about the past two weeks here at Saul Company, and saying, wow, he offers that to me? He died in my place? There's grace for a sinner like me? Wow, that is absolutely incredible. I would do anything to follow that guy. I believe in my core that God withholds no good from us. He's not like withholding good gifts. He's not saying, oh, don't do this, do this, because I'm here to have your worst for you. He's saying, I know what's best for you. I designed you. And here's what it is. And yet, you won't be able to fully do it. You won't be able to do it perfectly. And so I sent Jesus for you. And so some of you tonight here are like, all this Christian stuff is just weird. And, like, I'm not really for it. Like, I'm already zoning out of this because they're going to tell me that I can't drink. And they're going to tell me all these things I can't do. And that's just, that's just not what I want to hear. And what I want to invite you into is to actually see that God has your best in mind. He is not withholding good or fun or pleasure. But at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so he's actually inviting you into a better life. And so just lean in, hear what the panelists have to say um, with an open mind, with also knowing that there's grace. And some of you are like, panel, let's go. I'm going to check all the boxes. Whatever they say to do, I'm going to do it perfectly, and God is going to love me. 
And here's what I have to say to you. You're not going to do it perfectly. (laughs) This isn't a self-help panel. This isn't a go do it yourself. I'm so excited that you view God's commands as good and right and beautiful. But I actually want to offer the gospel to you, which is that you will fail and Jesus died for you. And you, whether you perform these things perfectly or mess up a couple times, God does not look at you with any more or less love and delight. Because when he looks at you, if you're a Christian, he sees the person and work of Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness in your place. And so he delights in you. If you're a Christian, it's okay. Just take a chill pill, you know. Um, But just want to actually just invite all of you in the room, those of you who are like, I'm neither of those people, and I just, I don't really need this. Guys, I need this. We all need this. None of us have graduated from the good news of Jesus, and so just want to invite you to um, open your ears and come with a humble posture to learn from really incredible panelists tonight, and yeah, I'm just really, really excited for this evening. Here's what's true. We ultimately believe that God's commands are what's best for us. They aren't a way for God to love us more, but it's a way to access God's love for his people. And so let's lean in tonight as God's people. Let's pray, and the panelists will come on up. Father, thank you for this evening. Um, Thank you for Salt St. Paul. Thank you for each individual in this room. And thank you, God, that you are present tonight. Would we um, be aware of your presence in the room? Would we see the Bible as the ultimate source of truth and as good and right? Would we not fall into the ditch of um, grace abounds? Why should I follow Jesus? Because if I just know I'm going to be forgiven, then I should just um, abuse grace. And would we also not fall into the ditch of um, self-righteousness and believing that if we can just get good enough. God will love us more. God, neither of those true are true. You love us, and you give us your word to delight in at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore, and there is grace when we mess up and fail, and um, I'm just grateful for the truth of the gospel this evening. Would you um, give us takeaways? Would you help us by your spirit to live in a way that's honoring to you, God, and we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys. Who's excited for the panel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Personally, I am a huge fan of panels. Okay, hold on. We got to get this Wi-Fi situation figured out. Yeah. Okay, I will let you do that. And then I will, yeah, get started. And so tonight, obviously, we are doing a panel. And if you've been coming to Salt Company, this is something that we usually don't do, like Tenley said. But we maybe would do this, like, once a year. And what we usually do here at Salt Company is teach straight from the Bible. And so that's what we're going to be doing next week. And so I'm super excited for that. Okay, this is great. Now I have my notes. But tonight, we're going to take some time to give you guys very clear and practical tips on how to follow Jesus in college. And so the two topics that we're going to be covering mainly tonight is one, drinking, and then two, dating. Ooh, ah, I think those topics are really fun. But, um, and so... The advice that we have for you guys, like Tammy said, is all, or Rachel said, is all based off of biblical wisdom and comes from the Bible. And we, as Christians, we believe that the best and the most joyful life for us is one that isn't following our own desires or one that isn't following the ways of this world, but one that is actually following God's word. And so tonight, we don't want to, yeah like put shame on you guys or call you guys to clean yourself up. But we actually want to invite you guys into a better life following Jesus. And so is this up here? Yes. And so tonight we will be answering your questions on dating and drinking. And so go ahead, take out your phones and you can text this number. And throughout the night we will be, ooh, we got some questions already. And then we will be answering those. And so, yes. 
And then also, we won't have time to answer all of your questions. And so a few staff members will be at Black Coffee Waffle Bar next Tuesday, October 18th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And if you're still wrestling with that question or if it's going unanswered, please come to Black Coffee Waffle Bar. And we will love to sit down with you and process with you with that. And so obviously, I am not on the stage by myself. But if you could see, I have four lovely people right next to me. And some of them might be new to you. Some of them you might um, already recognize. But what I can say about each and every one of these people is that they love Jesus and their life shows that. And so I am so, so thankful that they're here tonight. And I'm so excited to sit under their wisdom. And so, yeah, panelists, can you guys introduce yourselves and yeah, maybe tell us something that gets you excited or something that brings you joy? First, I need to clarify something. Tammy <clears throat> lied to y'all. I'm not world-renowned. There's two or three people besides my family who know me. So, <laughs> so I want to clarify that. And, and then I want to join him. I have, I have had a practice of lying to y'all when I would come. I, first time I was here, I, I said that they picked me up from the bus stop because they needed to fill a fourth chair. And <clears throat> the next time I came as an aging rapper, Crooked T, you know, and, and I'm kind of posing with a hat on up. My, is my hair thinning a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It's just life happens. I'm not even a, a I'm not even sponsored by Titleist. I'm not a golfer. But tonight is the big reveal. I'm gonna come clean before y'all and tell you who I really am, okay? Hannah, hold this, please. Oh no, oh, no what do we got? Oh, oh gosh. Why do we do this oh, this needs to stay in the room, okay? No, no re live recording. Oh, I'm an alien. Nice. <laughs> wow. You. Hey, you know, it's really hard to follow up, I'll be honest. I'm not excited I, to introduce myself I just, after this. I want to say that some of you understand what that means and some of you don't, but it's biblical. <laughs> I have a home that isn't on this planet that's waiting for me. Uh, and ooh, hallelujah, good. bring it. That's sweet, yeah, come on. How do you follow that, HD, good luck. Well, I wouldn't have considered myself extraterrestrial before <laughs> that, but he said it's biblical, so I guess I'm an alien too. Um, hey everybody, my name is Hannah Thompson, and woo, ooh, thanks. <laughs> Monty, is that you? Birthday girl, birthday. okay, hey. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I was supposed to introduce myself, right? Yes. Yeah. Like. yeah. I, oh, something that joy? brings me joy. Um, well, I tweaked my back this morning getting out of bed, which is really sad. Um, so something that brings me joy right now is the thought of getting a massage. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Out, getting out of bed. That's a tough angle. I like was, I, like, running like to get my alarm. Easy, you know? Oh, and, <laughs> ooh, yeah, guys, that's tough. Yeah, I'm not even that old, but yeah. it's sad. Yeah, ages. Okay, uh, my name is Tony. And guys, my thing that I'm bringing me a lot of joy recently is I just experienced Crispin Green for the first time <laughs> last week. And I had one of their smoothies, and I was like, wow, this is $9. Not even a salad? Not even a salad. Their salads were too expensive. I had to downgrade to a $9 smoothie. And not going to lie, guys, it was worth it. It was so good. <laughs> so that brings me joy. I will commit to having a smoothie about biweekly from Crispin Green. So... Excited about it. Hi guys, I'm Jen. I am I am a student leader here at SSP and something that brings me joy. Um, I really like tacos. Love doing handstands. Monty and I, you know, tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, yeah. And uh, also just this year, it's been really sweet worshiping with all, with all of you. So yeah, just thank you for being here and doing that with me. Man. It's been amazing. Man, I'm in my feels. That was really sweet, Jen. <laughs> Thanks for that. Okay, guys, we're just going to hop right into it. So our first topic that we are going to be covering tonight is drinking and partying. And so, yeah, as Christians, how should we approach underage drinking? We know that in the United States, the legal age to drink is 21. And so how would we approach it if we are under that? Okay, I'm going to take this one. Um, so I went to UW-Madison my freshman year. Go badge. And I lived like the typical, uh, you know, 
Madison freshman would. You can think what you want to think. But I, um, you know, thought that the only way I could be social and meet people was going out and thought the only thing fun was associated with was alcohol. And so, um, yeah, I just fell into that trap uh, and praise God for just reviving my soul and filling that void um, with, yeah, just filling the void that alcohol and partying couldn't. But uh, Romans 13, it states that we should submit to the law, the uh, law and submit to authority. And so the law is to not drink under the age of 21. And so I'm gonna make it clear and simple. If you are drinking underage, you are in sin. And guys, remember what Rachel said, there are rules in our lives, not because God wants to take what's good from us, but because, because God wants to protect us from what's going to hurt us. Yeah. Our God is our creator. He has made us, he knows what is good for us, and he knows how we are wired. So just trust in him and trust in that. Um, two practical tips if you are struggling with underage drinking is one, um, plug into the community here at Salt Company. There are a lot of people that want to have weekends that don't just consist of drinking and going out. Uh, so if you're in a C group, talk to them. I know our C group has a lot of fun things planned. Um, and if you're not, get plugged in. And second, get an accountability partner. Shout out Elise, wherever, wherever you're at. Um, being able to fight sin with someone and just, it's so comforting to have someone that you can just text or call or go hang, go hang out with when you are in the temptation of wanting to drink. Um, and it's a lot harder to fall into sin when you have someone encouraging you to walk into a good life and um, just to experience more of the goodness of God. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Great answer. And so because of what the Bible says of, yeah, we want to follow the law of the land, it is not God glorifying to drink under 21. And so very clear and simple. Really appreciated that. And also, um, Jen gave you some practical tips. If you're a note taker, tonight is your night to take notes. And so, yeah. Um, someone asked, okay, so we understand that God calls us not to drink under age. But then someone asked, I'm 21. Can I drink now? What would you guys say about that? Um, I'm over 21. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's what I'd say about this. Um, I would compare drinking to driving on winter roads in Minnesota. It, and I'm talking to any of you who have a destination in mind. It's harder to get to where you want to go in Minnesota when the roads are slippery. And... If you have a destination in your life, someplace that you want to go, there is an impact of alcohol on our decision-making and judgment and behavior. And so I, just, I would just ask you to just consider the risks. And the road gets slipperier. The, like, let's say uh, a Mazda MX-5 has a lot harder time in the winter than a four-wheel drive forerunner or something. Some of you might have higher tolerances for alcohol, and so don't use each other as an example of what works for you, but, but just be wise and kind of realize your judgment is going to be impacted by alcohol. You'll know it, you'll observe it. Try going to a party sober and just, and just go through the party without drinking and watch how the behavior changes. So just be wise. That's, that's what I'm telling you to do. That's really all God is asking us to do. Like, cause, the cause and effect, the consequences of our choices, we can't escape, except through Jesus, you know, eternally. Yeah, that's good. I, I feel like for you guys, just to have a framework of thinking about alcohol, under 21, it is not abiding by 1 Corinthians 13, so falling under the land of the law is good. After 21, you're allowed to drink, but... Drunkenness is also a biblical category of sin. And so drinking responsibly in a healthy way after you turn 21 is good. And especially if you have people in your community that are under 21, you just have to be mindful of that to not cause your brother or sister to stumble. And so those are just like wisdom categories. Like that's what this panel is meant to do, is to give you guys a framework of thinking about decision-making in the college life. That isn't necessarily right or wrong, but what can we do as people to honor Jesus in everyday life? And that includes your weekends.
Yeah, that's really good. It's really good to just, like, hear, like, okay, drunkenness, like, is a sin. So, like, at the point to where you're drunk, that is, like, okay, maybe you should stop, and that is a sin. And so let's say, yeah, okay, I understand, like, the Christian or biblical view on drinking alcohol, but then someone asks, can I still go to house parties or frats or bars even though I'm not drinking? So, like, as Christians, how should we approach partying? Yeah, um, I think I will reiterate what Tony and Terry, the two T's, uh, next to me said is, I think as I thought about this question, I mean, scripture doesn't necessarily talk about like frat parties. If anyone can find that, let me know. Um, But I think it's a wisdom uh, call rather than um, a black and white thing. And so we just determined, okay, drinking under the age of 21 in the United States of America is illegal, so you shouldn't do that. We also determined drinking to the point where you get drunk, also a sin. God tells us not to do that. Um, and so when it comes to house parties or going to bars, um, I've had friends who love the Lord who fall on different sides of this, honestly. Some people say, I went to the University of Iowa, so go Hawks. So it's like, <laughs> it. I was surrounded by people who were going out to bars and partying, and I went to some parties, honestly, myself. Um, And and I think some people would say, don't go downtown because that will ruin your witness. Like, if people are are drunk, they'll think that you're drunk, you know? And, And I've had other people who actually did it well, who are in sororities and fraternities, who actually wanted to help their friends and be the sober driver, right? Um... And so I would say it's a wisdom thing. And if you, like as an analogy, if you have come to faith in Christ and you maybe were formerly going out, you were getting drunk, you were going to parties, and and now you're in Christ and you want to pursue righteousness, I would say it's kind of like if you are friends with the bully. Like if you're on a playground and you are friends with a bully who's perpetuating um, looking down on other people and being rude, then yet you've had this kind of revelation, don't be friends with that kid anymore. Like, (laughs) you want to find some new friends who are actually heading in the direction that you want to go in. And so, Jen, I think that was really good that you said plug into community here at Salt Company um, or plug in in another community where people are actually wanting to have fun that doesn't involve not remembering. Um, There's plenty of ways to have fun. Um, I love having fun, so, and I don't get drunk, so (laughs) that's all. Yeah, I remember it. That's really good. I love how you said that it's, like, a wisdom call, and, like, let's say, like, someone has, like, prayed over and decided that it's actually not wise for them to go to parties, because when they go, they're very much influenced and tempted to sin, but let's say this person also, like, all their friends, all they do is, like, go to parties, and so, like, What does it look like for that person, that Christian, to pursue friendships with those friends? Like, do they need to stop being friends with those people? Yeah, that's a a really good question. And I feel like a lot of you guys here are in that spot, right? So you have recently encountered Jesus. Jesus is beautiful. Oh, my gosh, amazing. I want to follow him. But then you look around and, like, none of your friends are serious about walking with Jesus. And that can be really, really hard because now it's like, what the heck do you do on the weekends when you know that's the only life you've ever known and that's all the friends that you have? So I think for you guys, a couple different things here. I love what Jen said. Nice plug, Jen. Join a community campus group here and get to know people in this community because there are people here who don't want to go out on the weekends and will walk with you. And you'll find out that hanging out with them is so much more life-giving than getting wasted. Okay, so that's one. Two is you don't have to stop being their friend. So when I was in school, I felt like I started taking following Jesus seriously around my sophomore year. And I was surrounded by people who didn't know Jesus. And I learned that Just because I didn't go out with them or parties didn't mean they didn't value my friendship. In fact, I was one of the only people in their life that was like, hey, do you like eating three times a day? Do you want to do one of those things with me? Oh, we could get lunch and like talk about your life. And it was like the greatest witness because all of their buddies who went out and partied with them didn't actually care about their soul. And it was an opportunity to be like, hey, man, like, I really care about you. What's your life? Can I share with you this person of Jesus? And they actually valued my friendship more at the end of the year, not less, because I pursued them intentionally. And so 
My invitation for you guys is you can be one of the only people in many of your friends' lives who are far from Jesus, don't know God, that are asking them about the condition of their heart, and they will value that as a friend. Yeah, that's so good. And I think when I first became a Christian, or before I was a Christian, struggled with partying, drinking, but then when I became a Christian, I kind of just cut all those people out. And I really think that was just a huge, like, loss. Because like what Tony was saying, that that is just a huge witness to continue to love those people. And so, yeah. Okay. So we got a question where it says, my friend who is a Christian goes out and parties on the weekends. So how do I have a conversation with them and invite them into a better life since they do say that they're Christian? Yeah. Tricky one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. I think that's a really hard one. Like none of I kind of like confrontational conversations, but I assume most of you guys don't, okay? It's not like your favorite thing to do on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, Yeah, there's a way that you can communicate truth that feels loving, okay? Now, let me give you that paradigm. When we think about, like, truth speaking to other people's lives, we assume that that person is going to be hurt by what we say. But if we say it in such a way that portrays definite care for their soul and their life, people actually appreciate that. And so... My invitation for you guys is to sit them down, have a conversation. Maybe it's yourself, maybe it's someone else, and be like, hey, I know that right now you're struggling with this, but like Jen said, I want to invite you into a far better life. And I'm hanging out with my friends this weekend. Do you want to come hang out instead of going out? And my guess is more times out of not, they will feel loved by that invitation, the dual invitation, one, to live a life of holiness, but two, to actually hang out with you, and they'll feel appreciated by that. So that's my invitation for you guys, and it doesn't have to be awkward. You could, if I could just jump in, you could also just ask them, like, hey, what do you think about that? Like, what you're doing? Because yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, because I think, I think, you know, it's one thing to, like, sit down and be like, I want to invite you into a better life. Yeah, 100%. But also, maybe they, like, haven't even really thought about it. And now, you know, they are either just became a believer or whatever, and maybe they don't know. Maybe they're not here tonight, and they don't know, you know, that, like, getting drunk is not God's best for them. And so maybe you just start asking some questions and allowing them to even think, like, huh, never even, never even considered it, you know, or, like, allow them to process. I think then that puts you on, like, you're not on the, like, offense or whatever. I don't, I don't know sports that well, but, like, you're, (laughs) you're not, you know, you know what I'm saying. Just, it's, yeah. That's That's great. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to switch gears. And so we're going to go to our second main topic tonight, which is dating and relationships. And so, yeah, as Christians, how, what is like the purpose of dating? Like, why do we date? What is it? Me again. Okay. Um, Well, so to some of us, this might sound cliche, but uh, I think that the purpose of dating is really to pursue marriage Um, To some of you, maybe you haven't heard that before, and if you haven't, cool. I hope that lands. Um, I think in a dating relationship, um, you're, like, pursuing each other and, uh, you know, a romantic relationship, which is different than friendship, and I think the best um, ultimate place for, like, a romantic, intimate relationship with someone of the opposite sex would be in marriage, Um, and so that's simply where where that comes from in my mind, um, and I think what scripture would support. And it's fun. You know, uh, dating, dating is fun. You're, you're with someone else that you hope likes you too. It's, it's, uh, so, so I think get out there and do it, but realize there's a goal in mind is a deeper relationship that, that, that you have these shared memories. I, my wife and I have met in 91, and we have traveled around the world and done a lot of things and experienced a lot, and she shares all those memories with me. So I, I like the end game is, but let's be honest, dating is fun. Yeah. Okay, super practically, your number one goal in dating should be to figure out, does this person love Jesus? Okay, that might seem like a very baseline expectation, but if you're a Christian and you love Jesus, your goal is to be like, hey, 
I want to get to know you more. I want to hang out. I want to get to know your heart. I want to get to know your story. But ultimately, I want to know if you love Jesus because you want to marry someone who loves Jesus. And so that's super simple, but just want to throw that in there. That's super good. Okay, so now we understand the purpose of dating. So who who should we date? What characteristics, what traits should we look for in a dating partner? Um, counsel I gave to my children, two boys, two girls, um, is consider who you are and who you try to be when you're with that person. And does that align with who you want to be because we have profound influences on each other. My wife gets me to do things that I really don't want to do because she just knows how to use her influence on me. It's, and, and, it, and it works. So just know you're moving into relationships that will have a profound impact on your life. So does that man, does that woman cause you to want to be who you in your deepest heart, your deepest desire, you want to be that man, that woman? And if the answer is yes. So it's not about checking about, you know, it necessarily. Is she punctual? Is he going to have a good job? Whatever. But it's really about um, who do I try to be when I'm with them? I'm also going to hop in here. I think also just something important to consider is you want to be with someone who loves the Lord more than they are going to love you. Like, you want God to be first in that relationship. Yeah, that's good. So that kind of leads me to my next question. As Christians, should we date other Christians? Does that matter? What would you guys say about that? Kind of, yeah. I, I got the mic. Um, I, that almost sounds to me, and I, now I'm thinking about my kids falling in love. Um, it almost sounds to me like, should I marry someone who speaks the same language I do? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Duh, if you want to have a relationship. And so there, there's just some common trajectory in life. And, and all of you are using that filter in all your relationships right now. But we're talking about eternity. We're talking about forever. And so you want to be on a path where somebody is encouraging you, sharing the load, and getting you to where you want to, ought to want to be anyway. So yeah. That's good. Okay, cool. So we have been talking about romantic dating relationships, but I also want to quickly hit on just friendships with like the opposite gender. And so how do we pursue friendships with the opposite gender in a God-glorifying way? Yeah, so friendships with the opposite sex are not bad. They're good. They're a gift to just grow in understanding and development and to see the world in a different way. But also, it's, I would just recommend to proceed with caution um, God designed us to be in marriage with the opposite sex, and so we're designed to be connected emotionally, physically, mentally, and so when we are hanging out with someone consistently, one-on-one, -on -one, talking about emotional content, there is most likely one person's going to end up having feelings, and if it's not you drifting towards having romantic feelings about someone the other person probably is trust me I've been on both sides of the spectrum like it's just bound to happen and so um Proverbs 4 23 states above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it so protect your own heart and protect the other person's heart just be wary about how much time you guys are spending together and also what you are talking about. Be wise with your words. Um, for one like practical tip I kind of have is for a girl, only talk to your guy friends what you would want a girl to talk about with your future husband. And like for a guy, the opposite. Only talk with your girlfriend or your lady friends um, <laughs> with a only talk to your lady friends about things you would want guys to talk about with your future wife. Um, so yeah, just be cautious about it and trust that marriage is good and you want to just, again, protect your heart and guard your heart above all else. Okay, so just want to add something for the guys in the room, okay? In culture, it is cool for you to lead girls on and to essentially say your friends, but really date her, but not really commit to her and think that's okay. Okay. 
not in the church, okay? When you're having friendships with people, friendships, things, whatever, talking, we're talking. We've been talking for six months, three years, you know? What the heck does that mean? Talking like all day or just texting? Gosh dang it. Sorry, this is a bit of a, bit of a hot take. But I'll just say this for the guys in the room. Like, would you want some punk to talk to your daughter that way without committing to her or making clear to her the intentions that you have? So live a life that honors your brothers and sisters in Christ. And one way you can do that is through clarity. So DTR soon, quickly, and make it clear. That's so good. I've heard that clarity is kindness. And so that's like something that you can really hold on to when you are navigating those relationships. And what I love about this question so much is that I feel like this is such a common situation where like someone is in a friendship, but it feels more like a dating relationship without the commitment. And so if someone finds themselves in that relationship, what should they do? Okay, if you find yourself in that situation and you believe God is calling you towards dating and towards a relationship and you guys are equally yoked, meaning you are both Christian, then have the conversation. Be bold, be courageous, don't just, I don't know, be afraid of being rejected. Like, nothing bad is actually going to happen. And yeah, just have that conversation and ultimately whatever happens, trust um, that what God has for you is good, and remember that dating relationships and marriage is not the end goal. Like, that's not going to provide ultimate satisfaction. Nothing ever will except God, and so yeah, keep that in mind, but also, if you are in the situation where you are not equally yoked, or one person has stronger feelings than the other person, then that's the time to create boundaries. We worship a God of peace and not confusion, and so we want to have clarity in that, so be clear in why you're establishing boundaries, and then be clear to what boundaries look like. So, for example, emotional boundaries could be like, hey, we're not going to be talking about personal stuff anymore, like, we're just going to have topical conversations. Or physical boundaries could be like, hey, like, I don't think it's wise for us to continue to be hanging out one-on-one all the time, like, let's only hang out in groups for a while. And you could also be in the situation where to just protect your heart best is to remove yourself from that friendship. Don't just ghost them. Ghosting people sucks. Like, don't do it. Um, But be clear. Um, And yeah, what Juliana said, said, clarity is kindness. Like, don't be confusing. Um, And yeah, once again, God is designing good things for us in our life. And so just trust him and you want to protect both your friend's heart and your own heart. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I once heard someone say, do not give someone the benefits of a boyfriend slash girlfriend without the commitment of it. And so, like, that is just, yeah, a really quick and easy way to remember that. And so... Yeah, so going back to dating relationships, we now know, like, kind of the purpose of dating and who to date, and so now we're in a dating relationship. Just kind of picture that. And so what does protecting intimacy look like in a Christian relationship, both, like, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, and, like, yeah, what's the line? Wow. What is the line? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think... Okay, how do you protect intimacy physically and emotionally? I think you have to start by being honest with yourself (laughs) Um, and kind of admitting your weakness, really. Um, Admitting that, you know, you might be like, you've maybe never struggled with sexual sin and then you get into a relationship with someone and you're like, oh, that'll never be me. I will never have sex before I get married, right? Don't say that <laughs> to yourself. I, I think it's good to, like, look at David, right, um, who he was a man after God's own. Sorry, not this David. I don't know you, David. Not you. Um, no, I, I think of David, um, who was a man after God's own heart, and he still fell. <laughs> he um, had a kid with Bathsheba and killed his, her husband. And so I think that story I find really humbling for me to just say, you know what, God, I need your help in this. And um, 
Yeah, and then I would say practical steps would be um, to think about the situations you're gonna be in with your mm -hmm. other, whatever, partner, um, with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend ahead of time um, and plan, like plan accordingly and wisely and talk to other people, have, have people in your life um, who are gonna ask you about your physical and emotional intimacy with that person. Um, and yeah, ultimately I would say God has designed sex for marriage. And what Rachel said at the beginning and what you've heard all of us say is that God knows what's best <laughs> for us. And so sex within marriage, I believe is the best thing. Um, and I'm not married, and, but I have heard things. <laughs> all right, <But> so. <laughs> I, okay. I trust God, I trust God. You trust God, the Bible, you trust the Bible. Okay, this is a really simple concept, okay? You will not slip into holiness. You're not going to accidentally find yourself like, wow, we've been so pure. Like, it's been so easy. No, okay? If you're, like, at all physically attracted to this person, you like their personality. They're not super annoying. You enjoy spending time with them. You are going to be tempted like crazy fire, okay? So you will not slip into holiness. And so early on in the relationship, like, within, like, the first 2% or whatever it is, okay, have the conversation. Like, hey, where do you want to set the boundaries, and if you are misaligned in that, that's like a yellowish red flag. Because they either don't care enough about your desires and your desires to honor Jesus, or they think that their, des their desires are more important than yours. And either one of those are bad news bears, okay? <laughs> eject, eject. So have the conversation early. You will not slip into holiness. Have the conversation early. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, yeah, I can just like give a few examples of what me and my boyfriend did in college. It's just, yeah, one thing that really helped us was that like we didn't hang out by ourselves a lot. And so we would mostly try to hang out in groups. And another thing that we did, which we would try to stay vertical when we would hang out. We wouldn't be horizontal laying down. And so like when you just like put up boundaries to where like, oh, you can't even like barely like slip into like, oh, like making out too much or something like that. That is so helpful. And just being more overcautious is, yeah, I think that's really helpful. And so, yeah, as we talk about dating and relationships and physical boundaries, I think, yeah, a lot of us come in here with like a lot of shame and guilt over our past and maybe not doing these things really great. And so what would you guys say to someone who, um, yeah, they're in a relationship right now, and they're struggling with sexual sin, and can that person continue dating um, their partner? What does it look like to reestablish those boundaries when they've already been crossed? Yeah, that's a tricky one, right? Like, you're in this relationship. Maybe you or both of the people in the relationship are like, I, I want to pursue purity and honor Jesus, but you've been like six, eight, ten, two, you know, 12 months into like a lot of sexual sin. And you're asking yourself the question like, is there a rebound from that? Can we grow from that? The good news I have for you is yes, okay? You have the opportunity to pursue Jesus in your relationship. It will be really hard. And I think as I think about this, I'm like, okay, that's why healthy boundaries are so important is because it's really hard to backtrack open doors, okay? So once you open a door, sucker's open, okay? You can technically walk back, but the door's open. You know what I'm saying? And Time and time again, you'll be tempted to push those boundaries. So my good news for you is you absolutely can. Two, it will take a lot of intentionality between you and your boyfriend or girlfriend to sit down and be like, okay, we're on the same page. We really want to honor Jesus, and we care about each other enough to see that this is a worthy fight, okay? If you have a vision to be with this person long-term, whether long-term means 12 months, 12 years, or the rest of your life, by God's grace, you're going to want to fight for that person. Does that make sense? And the best way you fight for that person is to fight for holiness in your dating relationship. So you have to have that conversation. But it is possible. It is hard. Best way to do it is to do it in community. Have your disciples, whoever that is, whether it's your campus group leaders, your D group leaders, your staff, whatever, enter into that with you and help us walk with you. Let us help you walk through that. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a verse that says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So I have never heard a couple say, boy, I wish we had had sex before marriage. I've never heard that. 
I have heard hundreds of stories of, wow, I thought this was going to end in marriage, and it didn't. And lots of, lots of stories. So Rachel began with, God isn't trying to keep you from having the fun that he designed you to have, but he says that there's a safe place to enjoy it, and, and there's a lot of detours and a lot of heartache from thinking we have a better plan than the guy who created us. So, Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're going to switch gears into just the random questions that you guys sent in. And so these aren't necessarily about dating or drinking. And so, hold on, give me a second. got to read a few. Okay, this is, I like this one. What do emotional boundaries look like in a relationship? Emotional boundaries, yeah, how exciting. Never talk about it, so let's talk about it right now. Okay, um, I would say this is probably the least resourced boundary in Christianity for young adults. Like, we talk about physical boundaries, sometimes we talk about like, spiritual boundaries, but emotional boundaries are real, okay? So here's the one thing I would say to that. This is not super practical, so don't hate me. You won't regret taking relationships slow on every level, okay? As you get to know this person more and more, if you take, like, pump the brakes a little bit, you'll actually be able to see their character develop over time, and you'll watch the way that they love other people, which will be a reflection of how they love you, and it is worth it to take it slow. So what that means for emotional boundaries is maybe don't spill all of your life's beans week one, okay? Give her time to simmer, walk with that person, and when it's appropriate and when you feel like it's wise, share with them what's been going on in your life, both back in your past and in your present, but you'd never regret taking things slower. Yeah, that's really good. And I would even add, like, a type of emotional boundary is, like, protected about how you talk about the future. And, like, this is one way that I've, like, messed up a lot. I used to talk about, like, I, okay, yeah, I used to talk a lot about marriage, like, in high school, in my high school relationships, and, like, talk about our kids. And, like, there is just no need to build this future with someone and build this fantasy if there is no commitment. And so that is just another way to protect your heart and your partner's heart by just talking about your future very realistically. But, yeah. yeah. Really good. Okay. Okay, give me a second. Hmm. Oh, okay. I like this one as well. Um, when do you know when you're ready to date? How about Jen? <laughs> nope, not Jen. Well, I know I'm not ready to date. <laughs> I know that. So, boy, this is gonna be. It's gonna be no. My wife, my wife and I have date night, and I'm still loving it. Um, I don't even know what an appropriate answer for that would be. It, when you, I wasn't interested in girls until probably eighth or ninth grade, like kind of late testosterone. But all of a sudden, bam, I want to date. So does that mean I'm ready to date? No, I this had is the recorded, discipline so if you just of a want to listen squirrel. it back and laugh in your car at Terry's comments, it'll be up. <laughs> anyway, I, I wasn't ready to date, though I did. Um, and, I, and I was not a good friend to a number of girls because I just wanted the fun part of dating without any of the responsibility. And, and so I think when you're ready to date is when you're ready for the responsibility of a relationship. So. Responsibility is hard work. I mean, yeah. Okay, cool. And then... This next question is, yeah, what do I do when I mess up after getting drunk? Like, what should, when, yeah, what should someone do when they, yeah, have done that? You worship Jesus. Come on. That's good. Yeah. I think, I think you, you come back to the gospel and you, um, so, someone, Jordan Adams, said this, has said this many times, like, after you sin, the quicker you can can worship, um, like the better off you'll be. I guess I don't know how he finished that, but but I think the quicker that you can come back, you can recognize, man, I am a sinner and I have sinned. And the Bible says it's against you and you alone have I sinned, God, and done what is evil in your sight. 
And the quicker that you can come back to that unity with God and say, I've sinned, I've fallen short, but God, you have provided a way for me to know you, and that's through Jesus. And then you get to proclaim Jesus as your perfect righteousness on your behalf, and then you get to worship him, and you're welcomed back into relationship with God. And so that's what I'd say. Uh, completely agree. And for me, that path has been, um, most frequently, I open up to Psalms 51. And it's just a template of confessing to God, I did what I didn't want to do. And, and so it, it, it will easily become a good prayer for you to reenter into the grace of God and realize he's trying to deliver you from slavery to behaviors that will sabotage your life. So, Yeah, that's good. And so we sadly only have time for one more question. And I think this is actually a really good one for us to end on. And it, it says, if Jesus died for our sins and God is gracious, why does it matter putting off sin? Can't we just keep on sinning and then ask for forgiveness at the end of our lives? What would you guys say to that question? Well, I don't really have any great wisdom, but I think the Bible does. And so I think I, as I was preparing for this, I just came across Psalm 19. So I'm just going to read it to you guys. And it talks about the law of the Lord. Um, and I just want you to hear what it says. Uh, so it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the, lo of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Not just gold, guys, much fine gold. Um, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. And so that's what I thought would be appropriate to end on. There is great reward from God um, when we obey and when we trust him and when we see his word and his laws and his commandments for us as sweet, sweeter than honey and greater than fine gold, right? And um, when we... we trust God and take him at his word, that this is the best life for us. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, so that was the last question that we have time for tonight. And if you sent in a question and it didn't get answered, please come to Black Coffee Waffle Bar and we would love to process that question for you. But yeah, Terry, would you pray for us to end out our night? God, I am <clears throat> always thankful that you gave us your son so that we could come to you without shame and pray and tell you what's on our hearts and our minds and what our fears are and what our joys are and our hopes and what our dreams are. And so thank you that we're reconciled. We're back in a relationship with you through the perfection of your son, Jesus. And God, we confess that um, we have idealistic ideas of what we want the world to be and who we want to be. And I have lived long enough to know that I don't live up to my own standards. And so for you, God, and ask you to continue to love us throughout eternity. Bring us back, God, into fellowship with you. Let the joy of being loved by the one who created us and redeemed us be the most satisfying, fulfilling moment in our life. And, and then let that contagious joy, God, spill over into our friends' lives. Give the love that Jesus had for those who were lost and needy. Uh, let, it, let it be characteristic of us to be that kind of people as well. So God, we just bow and declare you're a hero. We love you and we look forward to seeing you face to face.